0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 2 of Coffee with the Queen. I'm Nicole. And I'm Cindy. In this episode, we are breaking down key coffee terms and then hopefully stacking them back up in a way that makes sense in terms of how you evaluate your coffee options. Then for our recipe of the month, Cindy is going to share her delicious soul and stomach-warming beef stew in a coffee red wine sauce recipe. It's perfect for these chilly winter days. As a first reminder, everything covered in today's podcast is available on our blog, coffeewiththequeen.com, and accessible via links on our podcast site coffeewiththequeen.podbean.com. So let's start. For those of you who are new to our podcast and are just beginning to explore the world of coffee, I'm going to give a very, very brief recap on coffee species and origins before moving into the main part of today's discussion. And this will be really brief, so if you're interested in learning anything more about coffee species or origin, please visit episodes one and episode six of Coffee with the Queen. So the two most basic coffee descriptors that you see everywhere are bean species and what I'll refer to as beans-in-a-bag origin, or the origin composition of your chosen coffee.
1: So this is going to be where the beans in our bag are coming from, right? What you're actually taking home when you buy coffee.
0: Yes, where those trees that made those beans in that bag actually grew.
1: Got it. Um, Okay.
0: So first up, species. Arabica and Robusta are the two primary species. Arabica beans are high-quality beans harvested from coffee plants that have grown at high elevation, so generally 4,000 feet or greater above sea level, under a shade canopy. Robusta beans are lower quality beans harvested from coffee plants that grow at low elevations and in direct sunlight. That's all we're going to say about that. Our loyal listeners have heard too much about Robusta and Arabica.
1: Well, um, absolutely, and we discussed it in last month's episode. So, if you want a refresher, actually, I advise you yeah, and other episodes. But if you want a refresher, just go back and listen to uh, last month's episode.
0: That's okay. The so next step would be the beans in the bag origin. And as Cindy just clarified, by beans in a bag, origin, I'm referring to a coffee's physical growing location, starting with the coffee's designated single origin. So beans labeled single origin contain beans that originate from and reflect the characteristics, which would generally be size, shape, and taste, of a single region within a country. That said, the beans that create a single origin coffee may all be from a single lot, single farm, and or single grower, or from multiple crops, multiple farms, and or multiple growers. Now, if this is difficult to visualize, Consider, I'm going to say this, and anyone who you know, is perfectly able to visualize this, just like skip ahead 10 seconds. It's difficult to visualize. I would say to consider the place of origin, say Blue Mountain in Jamaica, which is a single mountain in Jamaica, as a residential neighborhood. And then within that neighborhood, there are different blocks, and each block holds one or multiple homes of varying plot sizes, so like any kind of suburban block. So in this scenario, the neighborhood represents the coffee's place of origin. The block represents the coffee's farmer's state, and so an estate is just a large farm with its own processing facilities, and then the individual houses would represent single lots of coffees.
1: So I'm a gardener, and I think we've used this analogy before, but if I grow a particular kind of tomato in my garden, and someone else grows the same kind of variety of tomato, and they live in my neighborhood, we both could be labeled as single origin if our tomatoes were sold together, Right. Even yeah, they could
0: be sold in the same bag as a single origin. Yep.
1: Right. Even though we have separate little gardens
0: or farms or mini farms,
1: we would have yeah. different estates in the same single origin
0: location. You'd be different, same lots in the same.
1: Right. Dif- same lots. Right. right. Yeah,
0: that's right. So single origin coffees are grown under similar conditions and near identical and have near identical profile characteristics. Even though that bag, if you just kind of use their analogy, likely contains beans from multiple lots or farms. If small farms from a single region pull their coffees for sale, in Cindy's tomato example, they often do so under the umbrella of a coffee cooperative, which we often just refer to as co ops So a single lot of coffee with exceptional coffee that only sells beans from a single lot and that's earned a cupping score of 85 plus, and that's actually a very high score for coffee, is referred to as a micro lot. So micro lots are essentially a grower's best of beans, and these lots Generally, produce fewer than 100 bags of coffee per year. So that's our one real variation where.
1: Okay, so if my tomato was an award winning tomato, perhaps I would market it as a micro lot.
0: Yes. Okay. Yes, or if we're thinking about it as a house analogy, it would be like the house that's featured in Home Beautiful. Right. Even though they're all great, it's like that's that special (laughs) one. So coffee blends are coffees from different places of origin. And so when you get a coffee blend, you could be mixing. Beans from the same country that had different growing areas. So, say, like Brazil is a very large country. So, you could be mixing two different beans from Brazil, but more likely you're mixing beans from different places of origin, such as beans from Africa, Colombia, and Sumatra, and blending them together and to create a unique coffee, something that can't really be created in nature. Um, yes. Yeah. (laughs) So, so that's the beauty of blend. So, now that you guys can identify your type of beans and where they came from, We're going to move on to coffee flavor description, starting with the biggie, which isn't necessarily a flavor description, but it directly correlates to flavor. So that's acidity. So
1: acidity is often difficult for people to understand.
0: Yes. So acidity in coffee is a wonderful thing. I feel like people hear that coffee is acidic and they immediately think they're going to have heartburn. So hopefully today we can kind of break that mental connection because true citrus fruit acidity and coffee acidity. Are not the same. The only thing they really have in common is that flavor and the sensation they leave in your mouth.
1: Right, that that, like that
0: closing zap, the the zing. Yeah. So acidity in coffee produces a smooth, dry, sharp, pleasantly tarp sensation, or that zap that you're talking about at the tip of your tongue. Highly acidic coffees, which we often say have a clean close, tend to be sharp rather than textured. So when you taste them, it doesn't feel gritty or you know like there's layers. It's very sharp and clean. They tend to be dry versus wet, and they don't leave a coating on your mouth or tongue. Generally, there's no aftertaste. It's very clean. In contrast, low-acidity coffees tend to leave a slight chocolate or earthy residue on your mouth. So from here, we're going to bridge into the flavors associated with different acidity levels, because as we'll see going through, acidity and flavor notes are very closely correlated, as is mouthfeel, but we'll talk about that in a minute. I'm with you. So, okay. We're going to start off with our highest acidity coffees. And then move to our lowest acidity coffees. When we talk about high acidity coffees, those coffees generally have notes of citrus, berry, grape, florals, or fruits. And so if you imagine eating any of those things, like an orange, a grape, an apple, you probably have the memory of like a very clean, light feeling in your mouth, which would be the same feeling you'll have when you have these coffees. When we talk about citrus tones in coffee, the citrus tones are incredibly subtle. And they appear as a clean, dry feeling on the tongue, similar to the feeling you'd have after drinking some unsweetened lemon water. So just squeezing lemon into water and, and sipping it. Lemon citrus is the most delicate citrus, followed by orange, which tends to be a little bit sweeter, and then grapefruit. And finally, mango. So moving down the acidity scale, berry tones are often described as a soft sweetness and in taste, and they have a very delicate aroma. Most often strawberry, raspberry, or blackberry. Berry notes tend to be very subtle. And add just a touch of depth to lighter-bodied coffees, but can also be very tart. And occasionally have like a flavor of, or the scent of cranberry or boysenberry. Grape notes, which are very common in Africans, tend to possess a gentle tannin-like quality that you find in red wine. So it can be almost a touch tart. Like to me, it's a little bit tart. But however you interpret that sensation on your tongue of a red wine, that's what you'd look for in a coffee with strong grape notes. And then florals tend to be very delicate and soft in their aromatics and have very gentle notes such as rose, elderflower, lavender, or even eucalyptus. And then finally, our fruit notes. Fruit notes tend to be almost juicy. This is probably the lowest acidity of the high acidity flavor block would be these fruit notes, which I would say the most common is probably cantaloupe or apricot. So it's a very subtle sweetness that almost brings a little bit of juiciness to the coffee.
1: Yeah, I would say apricot is a very, very good representation of this. Because when you yeah. eat an apricot, it's got a slight, it's like more of a subtle juiciness.
0: Yeah. So like if um, anyone who's very familiar with coffee, so Africans, they, they tend to be very high acidity coffees. They tend to have a lot of citrus, a lot of grape. If you sip an African, you know, the moment you swallow, it's like it's gone and your mouth might feel almost a little puckery-ish, where Central American coffees tend to have more floral notes. They're slightly lower in acidity. They don't have as dry a clothes.
1: Yeah, perfect, perfect, perfect uh, explanation.
0: And generally higher acidity coffees, which have all these beautiful citrus, floral, grape, etc. notes tend to be roasted on the lighter side, so either a light roast or a medium roast. And we'll go into how that leads to mouthfeel in a second. I just want to continue going through the acidity levels. So when we talk about moderate acidity, and low acidity coffees, they're going to show stronger earth notes, nut notes, and chocolate notes. And you're probably going to sense or taste high acidity coffee in notes on the tip of your tongue. Moderate and low acidity notes will be present on the middle of the tongue and in the back of the tongue. So it's wherever your tongue's kind of tingling or you're feeling a sensation. That's where to look for these types of notes. And so nut-tone coffees tend to be highly aromatic and create almost like a roasted nut scent when food. Most common nut tones are hazelnut walnut, macadamia nut, and almond. And then earth notes, which are the most common in low acidity coffees, produce a real pungent mineral-like sensation, ranging from grassy to walnut to like a gritty hummus. Earth notes are also often accompanied with upper spice notes. So when we say upper notes and base notes, upper notes are the notes that we're going to hit kind of on the upper part of the tongue, and then the base notes hit on the back part of the tongue
1: those nut notes and those chocolatey notes this is one of those uh, instances for me where the aroma is as strong as the taste when yeah. I smell a coffee with nut notes or chocolatey notes I can taste it before
0: I drink it yeah well I mean actually with most coffees I would say the aromatics are probably 90% of the taste so that makes sense In most cuppers cups will start by smelling the coffee so that, that definitely makes sense to me cool
1: not, it it's he? not often, actually, Nicole, that I make sense, so I'm glad. I'm glad
0: to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> you usually make sense. Well, like maybe like 75% of the time. <laughs> okay, so after acidity and closely linked to acidity is mouthfeel, which is also referred to as body. They're, they're the same thing. So mouthfeel describes how a coffee physically feels on your tongue and your mouth. So is it delicate? Is it heavy? Is it creamy? Is it good? You know, mouthfeel also encompasses texture, which can describe the textual quality of a coffee. So it's grainy, creamy. creamy. So light mouthfeel coffees are generally delicate and almost weightless on the tongue and leave no aftertaste or residue on the tongue rather than the mouth. So for most of us, light mouthfeel coffees will have the same weight and texture as a sip of clear, crisp mineral water. Textural descriptions most often associated with light mouthfeel coffees are juicy, delicate, dry, and tingly. So as you may have guessed from these descriptives, light mouthfeel coffees often contain higher acidity, and lovely, bright berry, citrus, and fruit nodes. So to kind of bring these two together. So we have high acidity coffees, light mouthfeel. Right. We didn't put this in here, but light roast. <laughs> so.
1: Right, right.
0: So moderate mouthfeel coffees, also referred to as coffees with medium or good body, these are all the same category, are just that. They're not too light, they're not too heavy. The majority of coffees available fall into this moderate mouthfeel category. For most of us, moderate mouthfeel coffees have the same weight and texture as a uh, thicker—I would would say like a thicker fruit juice, almost like a peach or nectarine juice. So it's heavier. You feel it on your tongue, and it is going to leave just a little bit of a residue after you swallow. Just minor, pleasant, but minor. So textural descriptions often associated with moderate mouthfeel coffees are silky, clean, and smooth. In terms of acidity, moderate mouthfeel coffees contain good to moderate acidity and tend to be well balanced between the upper and base notes, meaning that you'll really kind of taste that change. In the notes, as the coffee moves from the tip of your tongue to the back of your tongue, in between your tongue and and the roof of your mouth. Finally, heavy mouthfeel coffees, which are also referred to as round or full. So if you see the word full coffee or a round flavor, that means it's a heavier mouthfeel. And by that, it just means, when they say round, it just means it's almost like taking up the whole, it's touching everywhere in your mouth. It's just getting everywhere and creating a coating everywhere in your mouth.
1: Right. Well, I mean, this actually, you could
0: think of it as like mouthful. It's a full yeah. through your whole mouth. Yes, that's a good way to think about it. So these coffees tend to be, probably guess, weighty on the tongue, and they do coat the, the tongue and the sides of the mouth and the roof of the mouth. For most of us, a heavy mouthfeel coffee will have the same weight and texture as hot chocolate or even a delicate custard if it's a really heavy coffee. Textural descriptions often associated with heavy mouthfeel coffees are going to be creamy, dense, velvety, and thick. Heavy mouthfeel coffees, as you guys probably guessed now, tend to have lower acidity and strong or chocolate notes. Okay, so just to kind of wrap all these things together, so while we we've often spoken about separately in descriptions, of single-origin coffee, and this part's important, the coffee's acidity, mouthfeel, and dominant flavor notes, hopefully we've just proved, uh, are closely linked with their acidity levels, with higher acidity coffees displaying a lighter mouthfeel and clean, bright flavors, and lower acidity coffees displaying a heavier mouthfeel with these deeper, richer flavors. The one wrench in this is going to be your coffee blends, and mentioned off here, a good coffee blend is going to synergize Two beans from different regions with different characteristics and something that nature really doesn't create by herself. So that's the one Right. So you could end up with a creamy rich coffee that has deep chocolate notes and also a bright crisp orange clothes. Yeah. So with that, we can move on to our next bit, which is how you can actually taste these coffee notes when you're tasting your coffee. Cause I'm going to guess if many of you out there are like me when I first started tasting coffee, you're reading the description and you're thinking, I've never tasted orange in my coffee. And you're probably right. <laughs> so if you're looking for a strong, sugary, sweet, orange flavor, any really strong flavor to kind of pop out and flood your cup, it's not going to happen with coffee. Coffee flavor notes, even though we make a huge fuss over them in the coffee world, they are not that pronounced. They're more like subtle hints of aromatics and taste and sen- sensations you experience when drinking a cup of coffee. As Cindy pointed out earlier, interestingly, the easiest place to understand a coffee's flavor notes is starting with their aromatics, before you even brew the coffee, so just the grounds, and then moving on to sipping. And if you're interested in taste testing, again, try to track the way your coffee changes as it moves through your mouth, noting the flavors as they hit the tip of the tongue, the center of the tongue, and the back of the tongue.
1: Yeah, so this sounds a lot like wine tasting for all of you wineies out there, and we come back to this often, and I think maybe even more so than wine. If a coffee has a berry note or, let's say, a chocolate note, remember... It is, it's not the dominant flavor. The cup is not going to taste like a Hershey bar. It will more so remind <laughs> you of it, as Nicole says. It's going to yeah. remind you of it in a subtle way.
0: Yeah, it's going to be more the aromatics and then the the real sensation it leaves in your mouth. Like if, if you had to pinch your nose and drink coffee, you would just get the the texture in the mouth feel. So those aromatics are like a big deal in how you are tasting the coffee. Absolutely. And so that brings us into cupping, which I'm just going to talk about briefly because if any of you do read about cupping or or have any interest in cupping. Cupping is more than just taste testing. It's a very precise process used by professional coffee graders to identify, evaluate, and rate the coffee's quality, flavor, balance, and complexity. So in speaking about coffee, balance implies that a coffee possesses a unique blend of distinct and complex elements where one dominant quality or characteristic isn't going to overwhelm the other. And so they want they want to see a balance in acidity. They want to see a balance in flavors. They want to see a development of flavor as it moves through your mouth, and they want that development to be very balanced. Somewhat vague, but that's, a, that's what we mean when we say a cup is balanced, and it's a very good thing when you see that a cup is balanced. So balance can also refer to just a synergy in aroma, mouthfeel, and texture on a very basic level. Complexity implies that a coffee presents multiple complementary flavors, tones, and aromas. Coffee is very complex, similar to wine. I think actually coffee is more complex than wine. I believe That's it has right. over 150 aromatic and taste flavors. And so when I say the high acidity coffees, you're going to be more likely to see these bright citrus flavors. It doesn't mean they don't have the chocolate flavors. It just means that you're actually able to see these bright citrus flavors that are present in lower acidity coffees, but they're very muted. They might not even really be present, but they probably are, but most of us would never taste it because they just don't dominate or they're burned off during the roasting process.
1: Right. But it, it's again, it's Cupboard. another point of saying that all of these different aspects go into what makes the final cup.
0: Yeah. So a complex cup is going to be a very unique cup that can demonstrate and present base notes and upper notes and chocolate notes and a little bit of citrus and maybe some spice very harmoniously within the cup, very much like a fine wine would. And that, that covers our... Most common coffee terms. So just to recap, what we've covered is Arabica, Robusta, single origin, small farm, estate, lot, micro acidity, mouthfeel, citrus, floral, fruit, berry, grape, wine, nut, chocolate, spice, cupping, balance, and capacity. So with that, I think we can move on to these two. <laughs> Thank yeah.
1: You. Well, that, that was a mouthful. Term. That was certainly yeah. a mouthful. <laughs> so I know typically I'm sharing a cocktail recipe or a latte recipe or maybe a yummy baked good But after preparing this beef stew in a coffee wine sauce, I knew I had to highlight it on the podcast because I don't know about you guys, but nothing warms me up quite as much as a lovely bowl of beef stew on a cold winter's day. And this winter seems particularly brutal in more ways than one to me. What do you think, Nicole?
0: Well, I'm in a totally different region, so I'm actually not that bad. But it's really cold, and I love beef stew when it's cold out. Like today, it's very cold and snowy and I would yeah, definitely be I mean, happy I, with some beef stew. Yeah, but we I, had 60-degree weather last week, so that's why you're in a much colder place than me. Yeah,
1: I think the winter, to me, it's, it's been mentally brutal. So the beef stew is warming me up in more ways than one. It's warming up my heart as well as my body. Yes, I can see that. Yeah, and, and for me, just smelling the stew as it simmers on the stovetop creates that feeling of warmth, and it will start me to relax, even before I taste the stew. I'm relaxing. I mean, much like baking, the aroma alone brings a warmth and calmness into the house. So many people don't think of using coffee as a base liquid in their recipes. But it is truly a wonderful way to add different flavor notes to most. This particular recipe takes the traditional beef stew to that next level by including coffee. So I use an Italian roast, which I recommend as the dark, smoky notes in the coffee really complement the spices, the savoriness, and the wine in the stew. But honestly, many types of coffee would work in this recipe, especially those having full-bodied wine notes such as the Colombian Campesina. Anyway, back to the stew. <laughs> While the preparation is a multi-step process, it is quite easy to make, and most of the work is done in the long, slow simmer. So you just have to wait. What this does is allow the flavor notes of the stew to develop and deepen. As a matter of fact, this particular recipe is for a large pot full of stew, which is wonderful because it tastes even better and better each time you heat it up. This is truly a situation where the leftovers are even better than that first taste. The procedure is similar to many classic beef stew recipes. When I was developing it, I actually pulled a recipe out of my mom's stash And I tinkered with it to come up with the final version, which is recorded on the blog. I cannot recommend this one enough. It is by far my favorite savory recipe that I have developed for Coffee with the Queen. And as always, I'm including links to the recipe on the podcast site, or you can go directly to the blog to check it out. Trust me, this one will warm you up in the most satisfying way throughout this cold, long winter. And with that, I will turn the mic back over to Nicole.
0: Thanks, Adi. You know, I always love, whenever I think of beef stew, I always think of um, my grandmother, because she used to make it on cold New England days. <laughs> so you walk in and it's the whole house would smell like beef stew. Yeah, it's there's
1: fabulous. nothing like that than that smell, either of baking something or of cooking something when it's cold out. It just makes you feel like, oh gosh, I'm home.
0: Yeah, yeah, that, like, I just remember at least her beef stew, like, it seemed you know, like it just created this moist air. It just kind of filled the whole house of some moist, warm, delicious smelling air. Always good at these two memories. With that, guys, that concludes episode seventeen of Coffee with the Queen. Thank you for joining us. Again, links to everything that we've discussed in today's episode are available on our blog, coffeewithqueen.com, and on our podcast site, coffeewiththequeen.podbean.com. If you like this podcast, please let us know by giving us five stars on Apple Podcasts. And if you have any feedbacks or topics you'd like to discuss, we really would love to hear about them. We're always looking for new topics. So always. please email So please email us at info@withthequeenbean.com. Finally, if you'd like to learn about any of our coffees, please visit our website, thequeenbeans.com. Thank you. Thank you, guys. See you next month.